Welcome to the Boring Shit You Need to Know About Business podcast with me, Amy Bajada. Join me and other business owners as we explore the art of being in business and challenge that notion that our financial numbers are boring. Okay, so today I have Kim Chaplin joining me from Kip McGrath, a global organization helping primary and secondary age children to improve and extend their learning. Welcome, Kim. Thanks, Amy. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Um, You and your husband own and run a few Kip McGrath centers around Melbourne. Tell me a little bit about getting into this organization and what it is you do in your own words. So we own six centres in the west of Melbourne. So we own a centre in Werribee and Tarnit, um, Bacchus Marsh, Melton, Essendon and Caroline Springs. Um, and we got in um, into this space nearly six years ago, actually, with, uh, oh, she would have been, um, so Macy, our fourth child, was about six weeks old at the time when we decided to go down this path. Um, but I guess what's really core cool for us is that we really, at the time, we had a grade five or nearly grade, yeah, he would have been grade five, grade six, who was really challenging in the, um, in the school space. Yeah. Um, we knew he wasn't, um, we knew where the deficit was and that the deficit for him was um, English in particular. And he, as a result of that, his behaviour was quite um, quite bad. So we decided, we thought we were driving to Werribee every single week to do a range of different educational programs and he just didn't link and he didn't connect with it and um, we made a decision at that point in time that we had something to give and that's where how it started. Um, within 11 months later, we had gone from starting a centre at scratch to having three centres and two of the largest centres in Australia at that point in time. So, and then from there, we purchased another one in Essendon the following 12 months later. And then we started two new ones to what we call in community centres. So so bringing education closer to people's home. And we did those, oh God, I don't know, 18 months ago now, two years ago, all their leases are coming up. Um, and that's probably where we, where we, you know, our plan now is to expand um, into people's area and close by so that's kind of what we do and a really core to that is making sure that kids have skills both in English and maths and also a range of learning confidence that enables them to fulfill a really good life and and meet their potential not just learning potential but their potential so I guess that's where we're at and we employ 25 amazing educational staff to do so who are all trained teachers and I think that's really core to what we do. Yeah. And I absolutely love it. Like I love the premise of it. I think it's an amazing opportunity for students in particular and parents and families to be able to have access to those types of resources. So that's fantastic. And your growth has been phenomenal, such a, so quick as well, but obviously there's a need for it and your passion's there right in that space. So yeah, congrats on that. That's awesome. The COVID-19 pandemic has certainly forced us to put education in the spotlight with all the imposed isolation rules. In your opinion, besides families learning to homeschool, which has been challenging, what other issues have arisen in this area due to these changes? Look, I guess we were a centre who really valued face-to-face in centre lessons. However, the organisation has had an amazing, um, engaging learning platform for 
seven years now, but we as a business didn't really value it as much as we possibly needed to. And in actual fact, um, we've learned a lot about that. But I guess the thing that is really important um, in relation to learning is that kids are now not receiving the feedback that they would have got, which is good for not only their learning, um, but it's also good for their growth as a person. So yeah. feedback really is important um, for kids. So there's what we're now finding is that kids are, you know, there's some mental health issues that are starting and concerns that are starting to come into play. And that often stems from not being able to do a task, having, you know, I, I know I've fought with my kids over learning over the last couple of weeks about how much they've got on the page to the quality of the work that's being produced to how do you, you know, as well as trying as a parent to work. So we're now starting to see lots of those different challenges, the COVID-19 and why isolation can be a really good time to reset families. It also can create lots of fights around what school, what their schoolwork looks like. And we know that kids don't always, they know that their parents are going to help them and support them and that's natural and that's a natural instinct for us all to do. But that's actually not always helpful for their learning because kids won't, won't be challenged or won't try something because mum or dad will often do that for them. So I guess... There, why education, and I've seen lots of things around education in per se around, oh, you know, I didn't go to school for six months and that was okay. But in order to keep routine for kids, that's really important for their growth as a person, but also um, to keep that routine. So we really want to make sure that kids after this go back to school in a really good space and feel like they're able to give things a go and that's the most important thing not everybody is going to be a doctor not everybody is going to achieve in that space it's about achieving what they can achieve and how they feel about their learning so I guess that's where I, I think the COVID-19 things I'm leading towards for, for me as a person is I, I'm really worried about what that looks for kids. Kim McGrath is dedicated to kids who might be struggling in particular or have gaps in their learning so when we know that kids have got gaps in learning and they create more gaps in their learning that that creates a really um vicious circle of not being able to do well and and not being able and that really has that sort of low self-esteem stuff going on so i guess for covid19 that's what worries me for our for our kids and all kids um globally yeah yeah look i certainly see it in my son he um he has his own personal challenges and i'm glad you brought up the feedback thing because that's been one of the things i think as a parent that i'm not doing well at because I want to not just give him all the great feedback. I want to be able to challenge him um, in a good way, in a positive way, but it's something that doesn't come natural to me because I'm not an educator, I guess. Mm. Um, sometimes he does get away with just a little bit and I guess, um, yeah, it, yeah, great answer to that. I think, yeah, we're going to see some of those, we're going to see some more gaps. And I guess you answered my next question, which was just how educators perceive the impact on their progress going out, coming out of this. And then I guess as an educator, how hard do you think it's going to be for children to re-enter the schooling environment once restrictions are listed? Because Isaac loves staying in bed till 11 if he can. Um, how, do we, how, how are we going to do that sort of thing? Um, I would say very clearly at the moment, routine is super important. Yeah. And, um, you know, um, if anyone's seen lots of our pages at the moment, that's one of the things that we're, you know, we're trying to create is around routine. What that routine looks like for you and your family is very different and that, mm. that's fair and that's cool. Um, there's lots of people out there. There are two types of learning that are happening at the moment. One is remote learning, which is completely 
teacher-led learning between school hours mm -hmm. and then there is what we call flexible learning which is short videos that are provided by teaching yeah. staff and a guideline um, and that's really difficult because you have to create a routine in that space so the big thing for kids to kids need to know that it's weekend and it's weekend um, big Thing I would say if your kids were doing things like extracurricular activities, obviously you're not going to be able to do swimming from from a lounge room or <laughs> you're lucky enough to have a pool. That's fantastic, but that's going to happen. But if your kids were doing dancing or singing or guitar lessons, I would continue with those sorts of yeah. things because they're really important. Family games, like, you know, routine, you know, kids... I've often had enough and I know um, my kids go to a private school here in the west of Melbourne and, and we're getting stacks and stacks of work and in actual fact maybe too much. So sometimes being able to, as a parent, go, actually, my child is done. I'm mm. going to play a game now that's educational and we're going to build our relationship throughout the day because we've kind of not been very nice to each other about English and handwriting. <laughs> so, yeah, I think routine's really important. Keeping the same bedtimes are important. So really, if your kids went to bed at 7.30 through school, then they need to probably go to bed at between 7.30 and 8 o'clock while mm. remote schooling is happening too. Yeah. This is where, you know, not only are we talking about educational outcomes, we're also talk talking about wellbeing outcomes and that's really important. So be keeping that real routine and those bedly nighttime stories and and look, I get it. Like I get it. Like um, both we work into the into the night, so I get that that can be really challenging. But I encourage parents to do it as much as they possibly can, and know that work. You know what? We're not going to probably be the most effective over this period of time when we're answering mass questions at the same time. So um, routine, routine, routine. Um, very much like we do with babies, our kids yeah. require it. They know that makes them feel very, very safe as a person yes. when my routine hasn't changed. So nothing's changed for me other than I now don't get on school bus to go to school. So even um, in our house, we have school bus school bus leaves at 8.58 to go to school um, and that starts the other end of the house and um, has lots of little little things along the way but it's about creating some of those routines that when we get back to it it's not going to be so difficult. Yeah I love that. So let's get to your business. So you talked a little bit about the fact that Kip McGrath had its own online system that you didn't necessarily utilize but you're now being forced to utilize. Is that the only change you've had to make during this time? Um, look, that's, so we've gone down. So in a normal incentive session, we go, we normally have six kids. So six to one, they're not all doing the same program. So that hasn't changed. That part of the elements of using both computer and sheet-based tasks has not changed. So the delivery or the quality of that lesson has not changed. The amount of people online has changed. So that's a big change. We've gone from six to four. Alongside costs of doing that have changed as well. So why the franchisee, although sorry, we're the franchisee, the franchiseur has had that learning platform. That learning platform has never delivered the amount of lessons that it currently does. So there's some really interesting stuff in that space um, around what does that look like? So we have IT issues like everybody <laughs> does. So we've gone down from six to four to make sure that that centre lesson is providing the same quality as what it would normally um, within a centre. We've also now got obviously we lost, um, you know, just looking at the horrendous figures from March to April, 
we lost a number of our students because of the fact that we actually didn't use that online platform. So that was scary. And that's, you know, and we tried to do lots of things about upskilling, but that can be really difficult when we're talking about 400 students at any one time. So, yeah, so I guess for us, the business has changed. Our now staff are now working from a home office. So how do you make that safe and secure for them? Have have they got the right IT or tech? Has parents got the right IT and tech? Because unfortunately the system doesn't get onto an iPad. So that, that creates another whole element. So the business has changed significantly. And as, as a result of that, we've probably lost about 30 something percent over the course of basically two weeks. Yeah. However, that's also positive in other ways. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, so the business has changed. And I guess also about the mental health of our staff is also something that concerns us. So we use a casual workforce. So some of those weren't eligible for JobKeeper payment. Our sessions went down. So reduction in you know numbers and staff and income and all those sorts of things need to be taken consider- into consideration. And also levels of staff, like being mm-hmm. able... Not every staff member knew how to get onto the system and not every staff member knew how to click on a student to make sure that that's the only student that they were talking to at that point. So, yeah, I suppose there's a bit more to come around change um, for us, Mm -hmm. but so far we're pretty stable. So we've been now working on the system for about four weeks, four to five weeks, and we now feel like we're we're now seeing the, you know, the the other side of the sum of it. So, yeah. I guess I would would be interested to know how are the kids taking the new platform because it was so hands-on and you know kids do learn better when there's someone with them they feel a little bit more supported even though kids are tech savvy I guess um, and they love technology how's that from a learning perspective in your opinion well, the learning platform is more actually more engaging than I think in oh, a classroom okay. space, which is fantastic. But absolutely, was a fear that, um, of our kids. So we have been really been working with lots of grade ones and preps at the moment, which are, which are a bit more difficult on an online space. Mm-hmm. So those guys probably are better in an in, in centre space. But the kids have been doing really well. So you know, there's a bit of a you know, obviously they've got to use things like we use an online whiteboard with um with a trackpad, you know, like they just use their mouse. So, you know, there's a whole range of stuff that has to go with that. But, you yeah, know, the kids have been really, really good. Um, I'm finding that the kids that actually enjoy it, actually really enjoy it. And I, I really think long-term for the business, we will probably have 50% in centre and 50% online. Uh, I think that that's the way of the future for us. Yeah, yeah definitely. And, and that was definitely going to be one of my questions about would you keep that going? And you're probably going to be forced to, I guess, out of this because we don't even know what it's going to look like on the other end and, you know, how we're going to phase out of, of all of this, I guess. Um, if I can take us back to the conversation in relation to JobKeeper um, and some of the incentives or even the cash that the government has thrown at us, how have you perceived that as a business owner? Are you happy? Is, do you see that there's some benefits in it for your business? Can you really see that the government are, are trying or do you think there's still too many gaps in what they've tried to do? Look, yes and no. Um, I guess there's a few things around the JobKeeper that's a bit, because most of our staff, we use a a really interesting workforce where we use a lot of retired teachers um, and we use a lot of people who might have families, for example. And so often they didn't always work all week and things like that. So the JobKeeper payment... They might have, um, we've had, you know, some people where their second jobs like are now not being able to access that JobKeeper as well. So why that, I do understand the reasons and the things behind that. 
um, not you know we've had to let stuff go because of not being being able to access the job keeper, yeah. which is not something that we really like doing. But you know, at the end of the day, we need to make sure that the business comes out stronger. Um, in the next six months because otherwise there won't be a business for them to return to mm-hmm. uh, or there won't be the student lessons that, you know, those sorts of things. So we've made some very hard decisions that we've not always loved to make but we've made. I do think they've been really good. I My concern with the government, I love them coming out with announcements but the principles really need to be in place before they make an announcement mm-hmm. because what happens is that creates hysteria with both parents but also with staff. So, you know, why am I eligible? Am I not eligible? Like what's, so all those sorts of things need to be taken into consideration as we move forward. I think, you know, the leasing principles from a leasing point of view, um, we have one of our landlords just go, well, actually they're probably not going to pay for the next six months. I'm just going to access their um, bond and security bonds and things like that before leasing principles have come into play. So, I think that the government needs to be mindful of those sorts of things because people are going to run around that. Yeah. So, look, you know, we'll manage that as time goes on. But I, I think, yeah, look, I, look, we're, we're grateful for it. I mean, from a business point of view, um, my concern for us is probably in the next six to nine months if we, if the rece- you know, if we end up with a recession or the economy doesn't turn around, then parents, this is, you know, having this, we think it's a necessity, but, you know, if you're trying to feed a family and if you're trying to educate, feeding comes first. And of course. I completely yeah. understand that. Yeah. So I guess for us it's, it's about what does this business look like in the next 6 to 12 months and that will be the change that occurs, I think. Yeah. And are there, given that you are in a franchise structure, yeah. are there? do you have um, an opportunity to create different learning tools yeah, look, the franchise is the franchise is pretty. Um, look, I have to say, they're a great franchise to work with. We are very, very lucky. We have um, direct access to the chief financial officer and the CEO. Um, in a, so we meet once a week on a right. Wednesday. So we have some sort of direct access to that. We are able to create our own things. In actual fact, they probably use those things. But from a you know, we pay national advertising campaign amount, which at this time doesn't look great because campaign all our marketing strategies need to change in this space and that's been really difficult. So I guess, yeah, so it is. And we do have worries about the franchise itself because, look, there aren't people who are as tech-savvy as owners. So, you know, it works. We all need to be able to get into that space and, and continue to market this space mm-hmm. um, but there are some that are amazing and fantastic at doing that and there's some that are not so yeah it, look there are certain worries and there are and they aren't always able to access all the government grants that we personally are able to access so because right. they their training is too high so yeah so i guess yeah there's lots of different there's lots of questions but i guess yeah there's lots of worries i suppose as well but mm-hmm. um i think we need to you know just focus on the here and now Mm-hmm. Um, and work through them and be flexible and resilient over this time. Yeah. Wow. You've definitely got some challenges ahead of you and hopefully that it, you know, recession or not, hopefully that we bounce well. I think the government, in my personal opinion, are really setting us up to return to work and, and to return um, as business owners stronger than ever, than we ever would have out of any pandemic. So I'm, I'm grateful personally for that. But 
yeah, I, I look forward to watching the space. You guys have done some amazing things and have some amazing resources even online for others to join in. And I think that definitely opens the doors. So I'm wishing you all the luck in the world through all of this, but you know, it sounds as though you've you've got the right support and the right resources in front of you right now and just the right mindset to move forward with it all. So yeah, you've been doing it for a while, but thank you so much for joining me and having a bit of a chat. I really do appreciate it. Excellent. Thank you. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Boring Shit You Need to Know About Business podcast. I'm Amy Bajada and I'll see you next week.